Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The uh, Trudeau government's Bill C-10 was rushed through the House of Commons, but stalled by the Conservative Party in the Senate. We spoke yesterday with Senator Leo Hosakos. He's the uh, C-10 critic for the Conservative Party. Also, the question is, are the Liberals engaging in a reintroduction of the highly controversial and defeated Bill C-13? I think the answer unequivocally is now yes. David Fraser is a partner at McInnes Cooper in Halifax. He's the author of the Canadian Privacy Law blog, one of the most foremost experts on Internet privacy law. And he joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. David, thank you for coming on, and you've been concerned and critical of C-10 since its introduction. Remind us why, and is the bill being held up in the Senate, is that going to be a difference maker or just a delay? Well, it, it's hard to tell. So so Bill C-10, its purpose was in order to, what they say, update the Broadcasting Act. The Broadcasting Act was last revamped uh, before we had streaming sites, before the Internet became the, the thing that it is. Uh, and Canadian cultural groups and, and lobbies and, and others were looking to uh, expand the definition of broadcasting to include internet undertakings. The most obvious ones would be kind of Netflix and Disney Plus and, and Amazon Prime streaming um, to treat them like broadcasters, which would require them, for example, to include Canadian content, uh, to contribute, and I think this is probably the, the most significant thing, contribute to the big funds uh, that fund a lot of Canadian uh, broadcasting development. Um, but really where it got caught up was that it included in its definitions uh, user-generated content. So stuff that's created on YouTube, stuff that's created on, on TikTok. Initially when it was introduced, and this was kind of a significant part of their charter statement, was that these user-generated content platforms were excluded. Then the Liberals amended the legislation, brought them back in, um, and while it doesn't regulate them directly, what it does is it regulates the platforms that requires them to regulate the user-generated content. And where we've seen such an explosion in Canadian creativity uh, online through platforms like YouTube and, and TikTok, uh, the concern is that if the CRTC and, and the mechanism they do this would be the CRTC would put forward uh, what they call discoverability mandates. Uh, on Canadian content. So a content producer who up until this point has never needed the government's permission to do anything would have to go cap in hand to the CRTC, beg for a Canadian content seal of approval, uh, and then their content would be amplified on these social media platforms, which of course means that other content creators who don't go through that process would be demoted. And it also requires these platforms to provide more information to the CRTC about their viewership in Canadians. And through this process, I've discovered that there's a large number of subscriptions. And when I watch, I watch a lot of YouTube, probably way more than broadcast television. Uh, many of them are actually Canadian content creators, but I wasn't following them because they were Canadian. I was following them because they were excellent. Um, and the Canadian content creator community on YouTube and in other places are really concerned that they're being thrown under the bus by the really large kind of CanCon uh, lobby 
that has kind of grown over the last dozens of dozens of years. And so I really hope the, the Senate actually takes the time to look at this as a real issue, because what we saw was a completely, in my view, incompetent and inarticulate minister, Guibault, who was pushing it through. They used a whole bunch of uh, procedural shenanigans to jam the legislation through, hoping to get it passed uh, before the parliament rose for the summer and presumably before an election. Uh, and it's going to the Senate and, you know, sober second thought, uh, it seems like they're planning to do their jobs on that and are going to look at it much more carefully. And all they need to do, in my view, is take out the provisions related to user-generated content. Um, but we also should ask ourselves, is this necessary at all? Netflix has contributed millions. A significant amount of Netflix production actually takes place in, in Canada. Uh, we're actually creating more content through these new platforms than we were with the old platforms in, in a number of metrics. Um, and so is it even is it even necessary? But but at least the sense that I've gotten is the Trudeau government and particularly his minister are completely beholden to uh, the entrenched interests of, of broadcasting as it has evolved in Canada. And it's evolved within this kind of closed ecosystem of, of subsidies. So that's C-10 and it's being held up by the conservatives in the Senate. And uh, I asked you whether the Senate's action is a difference maker or just a delay. I guess it depends on which party wins the expected to be called federal election. If the Liberals win, then C-10, with a majority, then C-10 will become the law. Uh, there'll be a lot of debate and a lot of conversation, but in, essentially, when it comes down to the vote, they will have the votes. Now, there's also additional new legislation described by Justice Minister Lametti as a law to deal with, quote, hate propaganda, hate crimes, and hate speech, C-34. And the question has become, is C-34 a return of the defeated C-13? I just want to read you something from Blacklock's reporter. Uh, Internet publishers, bloggers, Facebook, and Twitter users face house arrest or $70,000 fines under an unprecedented censorship bill introduced yesterday by cabinet. Self-regulation is not enough, said Heritage Minister C Stephen Gilbeau. Uh, one civil liberties group called provisions of Bill C-36... Is that another one, or was I wrong about C-34? Anyway, Bill C-36, an astounding proposal that curbs free and legal speech, quote, criminal conduct in this case is speech in which no actual harm to any specific person needs to be proven. Uh, is C-34 different to C-36? Am I talking about two different things here? No, I think you're talking about the same legislation, but, but I think in some ways we might be getting ahead of ourselves because the, the legislation that was introduced this week was probably part one of two parts related to uh, kind of online harms, is what they call it, which is all part of the C10 goes along with it. And, and this is part and parcel of what Professor Michael Geist, a very well-respected scholar in this area, calls, has, has said that this is the most anti-internet government we've, we've ever seen. So certainly the, the, the new bill, which amends the criminal code, and it amends the Canada Human Rights Act, does go back and, and, and does that. Uh, I think that headline was a little bit overstated because I don't think every Facebook user or every Twitter user is at risk of having this unleashed on them. Uh, but what this bill does is it does two things. One is it amends the, the Canada Human Rights Act to make it a discriminatory practice uh, to use the Internet, essentially, uh, for hate speech. And an individual can complain to the Canada Human Rights Commission. The Human Rights Commission will investigate or they can kind of throw it out. Um, they don't. I have concerns about due process and procedural fairness because once they've done their preliminary investigation, they don't necessarily have to tell the, the, the subject of the complaint who the complainant was. 
they, they have to respond uh, and they can be ordered to stop doing what it is that they're doing. They can be ordered to pay damages if a person to a person who has been named in that hate speech. Uh, and they could be also ordered to pay a significant fine. But actually, the thing that I find a little bit more concerning uh, it, are the amendments to the criminal code, which creates a new form of peace bond, which is an, an element to kind of pre-crime that I don't think we've ever seen before in this country. We have peace bonds where the police, presumably, or, or the RCMP or CSIS can go to a judge and say, I have reasonable grounds to believe that this person will commit a terrorism offense, uh, and we need to stop that. And so there are other provisions for peace bonds where there's reasonable grounds to believe that they're about to commit another offense, like the non-consensual non distribution of intimate images. But what this new bill does is it says, I have reason to believe and reason to fear that this person is going to uh, violate the criminal code related to hate speech, willful incitement of hatred, et cetera, uh, and drag them, and it has to be with the consent of the attorney general. There are a couple checks and balances, but I'm not sure that they're enough. So with the consent of the Attorney General of the province, they can get dragged in front of a provincial court judge and required to sign a peace bond. And if they don't sign that peace bond, they're going straight to jail. And that peace bond can include a whole bunch of provisions, including electronic monitoring, uh, including no contact orders, uh, including uh, prohibitions against firearms, prohibitions related to alcohol and drugs, uh, and to kind of generally be of good behavior. And so if they violate any of those conditions, it might have nothing to do with hate crime. Um, they can get thrown in jail. And it's not because they've done something, it's because somebody fears that they're going to do something. Um, and that's a pretty significant overreach uh, in, in my view. Well, it is. Uh, now, one thing that they've been careful of is, the, is they've calibrated what is the hate speech that they're referring to so that it does align with what the uh, Supreme Court of Canada says is defensible under the Charter because you have the freedom of, of expression under the Charter under Section 2B, but that's subject to such reasonable limitations that are prescribed by law that can be justified in a free and democratic society. And the Supreme Court of Canada says, look, anything below this level, uh, you know, it's it's awful but lawful, kind of, but above that, that's the stuff that crosses the line. So they've been pretty careful to try to make sure that they correspond with that element of what the Supreme Court of Canada has done. Uh, but certainly in anybody who's concerned about charter rights is, uh, their their kind of spider sense should be tingling and they should be looking pretty closely at this uh, and to, to scrutinize it pretty closely. Okay, I suppose the only good news is that Parliament has risen for the summer. Uh, we're likely to have a fall election. So this is probably going nowhere at the moment uh, and will just be part of the, the uh, a plank in the election in the fall. Now, that was the intent because they know, I mean, Parliament has risen. They know it's not going to be voted on and they know it's not going to get through the Senate. And so it becomes an election platform part of a larger platform. It becomes a component part. David, the whole issue of freedom of expression, um, I, I worry about freedom of expression. I worry about people becoming intimidated uh, as far as using, you know, freely expressing themselves. And I understand the difference between hate speech and critical speech. But we had a situation, I talked about this yesterday, we had a situation where a human rights tribunal heard a few years ago the chief investigator say that the whole idea of freedom of speech was an American concept and not Canadian at all. And I spoke with the Human Rights Commissioner on this program, and I pointed out to her what he'd said. I mean, you have a, the chief investigator saying that what is cornerstone to our Canadian democracy, freedom of expression, is an American concept. I, it, it just boggles the mind. Should I be concerned about freedom of expression in Canada? 
Oh, absolutely. And and I think we need to be paying very close attention to legislation like this. It needs to be extremely carefully scrutinized. Uh, the irony of what you just said was that freedom of speech, freedom of expression is a fundamental human right. Uh, it's, it's in the International Declaration of Human Rights that that, uh, that person probably sleeps with a copy under their pillow. And you don't have um, democracy if you don't have freedom of expression. Well, that, that's right. Kind of, we have fundamental freedoms that are enshrined in our charter, um, and you know they, they're not absolute. They are subject to reasonable limitations. Section one kind of provides for that, Understood. or absolutely provides for that. Um, but it's always a matter of line drawing, and there is going to be a concern about the chilling effect of regulation of, of speech, and and also where you have an where you have something that happens uh, that's kind of driven by emotion. There tends to be an overreaction and a really difficult time drawing that line appropriately. You'll recall that, that we had a number of conversations when Nova Scotia passed uh, anti-cyberbullying legislation after a very, uh, very high profile uh, situation, which ended tragically with a, a young woman who uh, took her own life. Uh, and immediately the, the legislature or the government kind of threw a bunch of lawyers in a conference room, filled them with coffee and told them to come up with a solution to this. Uh, and, and the law that they came up with was a dumpster fire. And it was principally used. It wasn't their intention. But at the end of the day, it was principally used uh, in order to stifle legitimate political speech. Um, and so we need to be very careful that, that if we are going to regulate these sorts of things, and, and we are at the same time as all this is happening, it's not just about people saying mean things to politicians. We do have a large number of people who are getting radicalized towards violence uh, online uh, and are saying some absolutely hateful and, and abhorrent things, yes. um, which will clearly be illegal, for example, in Europe, uh, but would be completely lawful in the United States. And we tend to take a middle ground. But again, as I said, it, it's determining where to appropriately draw the line. Um, and I, I'm afraid that uh, certainly I, I don't count, I don't trust this government whatsoever when it comes to good judgment, when it comes to anything related to expression uh, and and anything related to uh, related to the internet, uh, <laughs> Minister Lametti appeared in front of the the Heritage Committee, uh, kind of applauding the the Charter Statement uh, on Bill C10 related to its, in my view, blatant infringement of Section 2B related to freedom of expression. Um, and that Charter Statement was a marketing slogan. It wasn't anything anything more yeah. than that. David, um, where and, and so it's up to us, and and it's up to. Folks like you, like your business is expression. Like what you do day in, day out is you, yeah. is you express exactly. yourself. Exactly. And, and we have a, we're we going have to have a, a decision to make. part of our democracy. We're going to have a decision to make as Canadians come the election because this is going to be an issue that we will have to talk about. This is fundamental to our Canadian society and our Canadian rights to communicate and use freedom of expression that's in the Charter. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.